Well, as many of us uh, sit here, thousands of us, hell, millions of us sit here in the Midwest freezing our butts off. I know some of you have lost power and are waiting to get that power back, especially in Texas. There is some good news. The Big 12 football schedule is out. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you each and every week. And as we do each and every week, uh, take a second out, leave a rating and a review on the podcast because it helps grow the show every week because of you, because of you. And that's why I've got a Heartland College Sports koozie on the way. When you leave me a rating and review and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. I'm in Kansas City. I know, obviously, much of our audience is across Big 12 country, especially in the state of Texas. And just know we're thinking about you. We're, we're praying for you this week. If you're without power and you're dealing with the disaster that is going on down there, I hope that we can give you a little bit of a respite from all of that here uh, this week because it is ugly. It is ugly. The good news is the Big 12 football schedule is out. At least you can pretend like the fall is close. At least we can pretend and have fun with the idea that football is right around the corner. It's like 198 days away, but who's counting? Not me. Definitely not me. No, 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 no. You are. You're counting, not me. All right? So I want to go through the schedule, give you my five broad thoughts on the Big 12 football schedule, just some of the keys, and then we'll go through some other things here throughout the show on Heartland College Sports Weekly. We're going to start off with this. A TCU. The TCU Horn Frogs got completely screwed in their scheduling. There's no other way around it. They are the only Big 12 team without a bye in conference play. They are not playing a conference game on September 18th or September 25th. So their conference schedule goes for nine weeks in a row, starting on the 2nd of October. So in a round robin like this for the Big 12, that's even more brutal. Uh, And considering TCU's hoping to be a dark horse in the Big 12 this fall, the conference schedule makers did not do them any favors. Now, I heard from TCU fans who were like, what's wrong with the schedule? Who cares? They'll be fine. All right. Well, when they play a a half-hearted subpar game in the middle of November because they haven't had off in six weeks when everybody else has had a bye week in some way, shape, or form, uh, don't complain about it. That's all I'm going to say. Don't complain about it. If that's your approach right now, do not complain about it. I think it's BS that TCU is the only team that has to play nine straight conference games. I do. And I know there there could be some reasons behind it based on what their non-conference schedule is. You know, they have uh, non-conference games September 4th, September 11th, and September 25th. And my guess is that they couldn't get them into a game on the 18th that first week when Kansas and Baylor are the only two teams playing because of what the other team's non-conference schedules were. But still, it's a raw deal, and uh, I feel for them on that. I feel for them on that. I do. So that's number one in terms of TCU getting hosed. I just mentioned number two here and a few thoughts on the Big 12 schedule. Opening up the season, Kansas and Baylor, really? Like, I know that it's actually non-conference play, so there's probably going to be a ton of other games that we'll actually be watching. But there's something about that first conference game that gets you excited. 
that you're like, this is the kick off the conference play. It's it's not as big as kicking off the season, obviously, but just the notion that the first Big 12 game of the year, true Big 12 game of the year, I'm not including Oklahoma, Nebraska. It's going to feel like a Big 12 game, but it's not. It's going to be Kansas and Baylor, really? The weekend of 9-18? I know it's got to do with how the non-conference games line up, but man, come on, Big 12, the best you can give us is Kansas Baylor. Now, don't take it personally, Jayhawks or Bears fans. I love you guys both. I hope you improve on your 2020 results. I'm pulling for you. But I'm just saying, this is the game out of the gates. It's kind of a buzzkill. All right? It's, it's, I best, guess I better check out the non-conference slate for the weekend of 918. I'm just saying. All right? Just saying. that uh, I know that they can't plan it perfectly because of the non-conference games, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, geez, this is what I got to This is what we got to deal with. Unbelievable. All right. Also on the Big 12 schedule, some of the highlights. Oklahoma, Iowa State is way too late in the season. Way too late. Now, this was controllable. Oklahoma, Iowa State will take place on Saturday, November 20th. Um, I know it's early to be predicting who's going to play for the Big 12 title, but it's clear that these are the two favorites. They'll both be in the preseason top 10 in the country. The Big 12 knows this as well. I know it doesn't always work out that way where the two favorites in a conference, especially the Big 12, end up playing for a conference title. But still, it, it is more clear this year, the drop-off between two and three in the conference than it's been in quite some time. And you put Oklahoma, Iowa State on Saturday, November 20th, when it's entirely possible they're playing again two weeks after that on December 4th in the Big 12 championship game. I don't get it. And I know maybe they're hoping, hey, two undefeated teams, late November, college football playoff, Big 12 championship, on the line. Uh, college game day is going to be there in Norman. It's going to be great. I mean, maybe, but they'd be there too if it was two weeks earlier. I don't mind the game being in November. Like I, I think that if you had the game on, let's say, November 6th, two weeks prior, I that's that's okay. I think ideally it's a late October game, but fine. November 6th. Two weeks prior on a Saturday. Nothing changes for the hype around it, most likely. You'll still likely get college game day there. It'll be a huge deal. And there's at least a month until the Big 12 title game. But to possibly have these two teams playing twice in three weeks when they're your two preseason favorites, that makes no sense at all from a Big 12 schedule maker's perspective. And the schedule makers in the conference should have done a much better job with this. And apparently they're the last ones to realize it. So I don't get that. Uh, It makes zero sense to me. You can't blame, well, the schedule chips falling where they may. No, you can do that in September when everyone's got a little bit of a different non-conference slate. You can't do that in the middle of conference play in mid-November. No way, no how. Uh, No, you can't. All right, so that was a big gripe for me in the schedule making. Also, Bedlam. Um, I know a lot of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State fans like the idea of playing on Thanksgiving weekend. And I know that they did it for a while, uh, at least for several years. I am not a fan of it. I'm not. Count me out. I like that Bedlam was earlier this year. Um, I, I didn't like it being the last game of the year either. And just Thanksgiving weekend, eh, I'll pass. I like it being middle of the season. It it felt right to me. Now, I know a lot of uh, OU and OSU fans don't agree with that. But 
when you're going up against SEC and Big Ten rivalry weekend games, those are always going to be the top priority for ESPN and Fox until proven otherwise. So why try to play the game on their turf by their rules? We got the Red River rivalry early mid-October. Bedlam between, let's say, Halloween and mid-November. That's a nice spot, sweet spot for it. Heck, that would be a fun, like, Halloween game uh, or Halloween weekend game, making that a, a staple in the Big 12. Bedlam, Halloween weekend, it's spaced out from the Red River game. They're not back-to-back or anything like that. But it's not Thanksgiving weekend when you know that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to get priority. And it kind of feels like it's a Halloween-esque game. Two theoretically high-powered offenses going up against each other, rivalries. It's fun. It's fun. Because it seems like every Halloween you get Oklahoma-Texas Tech. I don't understand that. Like, it's not 2012, okay? I don't know why. The Big 12 seems to think that that's like a cool thing to do on Halloween, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. It feels like it's always Halloween weekend. But I think Bedlam would be a good slot on Halloween weekend, kind of making that a staple. That'd be fun. But instead, we get it on Thanksgiving weekend. And then it's uh, Texas Tech has the toughest stretch in this conference. No doubt about it. Texas Tech goes to Oklahoma, followed by a bye week. Then it's Iowa State and Oklahoma State at home. Sure, the bye week is nice, but this all comes in the second half of the season as well. The OU game is on uh, Halloween weekend, October 30th, followed by the other two on 11-13 and 11-20. I picked this Texas Tech stretch as the toughest in the conference over Kansas State, who has at Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma bye week and then home versus Iowa State to open up the season. The fact that K-State gets both OU and Iowa State at home to me makes a difference. Plus, their brutal stretch comes to open up the season, which typically you get a fresher team, more focused. So it's not the news or the congratulations that Matt Wells and Texas Tech fans want, but it is a reality that you have the toughest stretch in the entire Big 12 Conference. Oklahoma on the road. Bye week, and then Iowa State and Oklahoma State at home. And it's all coming in late October to the middle of November. That is tough sledding. And that could be make or break for Matt Wells. If things aren't going well for Matt Wells, and then suddenly he's got to go through that stretch and it gets really ugly, boy, I, I, not going to be good. It's not going to be good for him because already we know he's on thin ice with uh, many in Lubbock, and this could only make things worse. But uh, Matt Wells, not a happy guy when that schedule came out. I'll tell you that right now. Coming up, uh, we normally talk to our guy, Matthew Postens. He's having some issues here when it comes to power and whatnot because he is in the state of Texas. So we've got some other items, more on the Big 12 football schedule coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, each and every time this week, we welcome on our Big 12 basketball guy. He's Matthew Postens. He's on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and we thought COVID uh, threw a wrench in the college basketball season. How about now this crazy weather that is hammering the center part of the country and Big 12 country? It was negative 12 the other morning in Kansas City. Felt like negative 30 Texas obviously getting hit with uh, many more problems, and that has obviously caused some issues for the Big 12 basketball scene as well. Matthew, you are down in Dallas. Uh, You have been dealing with this, and 
How are you holding up down there? Uh, doing all right. You know, it's uh, I, I've been one of the fortunate ones. I've had power and water for most of the week, aside from about six hours on Monday, I was without power. But uh, uh, the the I have the annoying problem. My wireless internet is out. So oh. I had to ask you the, earlier this week if Iowa State and Oklahoma State had still played each other. And apparently <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. And uh, Oklahoma State blew them out. So you've written a lot about Steve Prohm's future uh, and Iowa State fans are always interested in that. So uh, Iowa State is still winless now in Big 12 play. I, I guess the question here, Matthew, is how does Steve Prohm dig out of this? And can he dig out of this right now and, and save his job? Well, I think he can dig out of it. And I, and I think this season really provides the the impetus for that. You know, I think a lot of people looked at Shaka Smart at Texas being on the hot seat last year going into the Big 12 tournament. And then COVID happened and the Big 12 tournament was canceled. And I think a lot of folks' rationale was, well, if he gets them to the NCAA tournament and they don't win a game or they don't get to the NCAA tournament, that's probably his job. Well, I think, in a sense, the, the shutdown due to COVID kind of saved Shaka Smart's job. And you can see what he's done with the program this year. Um, COVID might do the same thing to Steve Prom's job because I think a lot of programs are going to have trouble justifying firing coaches. I know that Boston College, I think, just fired Jim Christian earlier this week. So um, those sorts of moves are still going to exist. You know, within the last four years, Steve Prom will have three losing seasons at Iowa State. Um, smacked in between that is a Big 12, uh, Big 12 tournament championship. Uh, he's got a good recruit on the hook, um, a, a top 50 guy, I think, up in Wisconsin, uh, coming into the program next year. His top recruit for this year was hurt for most of the year, didn't play. Um, there's some good, raw, young pieces on that team. Uh, but the fan, be- fan base seems very impatient, and they want to bring somebody new in. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Jamie Pollard decides to do. If it's give you know, Chrome one more year, uh, in part because that's there's a PR aspect to this with COVID that uh, you may not want to deal with, or do you go ahead and make the move now and then try to bring in somebody new? Yeah, I, I think those, I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on it right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be the most interesting storyline on the basketball side to kind of keep an eye on when it comes to the coaches. So uh, when you look at coaches who are in a great place right now, Matthew, you go to the top of your uh, Big Twelve basketball power rankings this week, and that is the. Oklahoma Sooners, who you have in the top spot, and can't blame you. Baylor hasn't played in, you know, going on three weeks now, so that is justified. Long Kruger, I don't know if anybody saw this coming, including Long Kruger. What continues to click in Norman? Well, you know, he's just, he's one of those coaches who really understands how to develop players. And if you look at the the guys who are in his program, the ones who are contributing heavily, they've been there a couple of years at least. Uh, whether they've been transfers or guys like Brady Manick who have been there four years. So he understands how to coach and develop players. He understands how to put them in good matchups and in the right places where they can maximize the things they do well, as opposed to asking them to do things that they don't do well. And, you know, I think they haven't had a COVID pause except for the first week of the season, but they've had players who have been lost to COVID protocols. Brady Manick and Alondis Williams missed a couple of games. Austin Reeves missed a couple of games. I think Jalen Helms missed a couple of games too. During that time, that's given uh, you know the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth player on the team 
opportunities to get more experience. And I think that's been beneficial to them as well. So, you know, Lon Kruger now has the kind of team he wants. He wants to be able to play eight, nine, ten players deep on a, on a nightly basis. He's got that. He has Brady Manick, who's finally starting to round into shape. Uh, he's got multiple options on the offensive side of the floor. Two really good three-point shooters in Emoja Gibson and Devion Harmon. Uh, and he's got a lot of tools that I think allow them to be a dangerous team once the NCAA tournament rolls around. Matthew, speaking of the NCAA tournament, uh, the NCAA released its current top 16 seeds as we're less than a month out from Selection Sunday. Five Big 12 teams. That's the most of any conference. Is there anything that you saw there and looking at the, these teams and where they were ranked that would uh, surprise you? I'll just run down the list here so people uh, are aware of what was there. Baylor was the number two overall seed, as you would expect after Gonzaga. Um, after that, in the Big 12, you had West Virginia, number 10, Oklahoma, 12, Texas Tech, 14, Texas, 15. Anything there surprise you? Not really. I think we know that Baylor's head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. I mean, they're still capable of losing the game, but in terms of being the best team in the conference, I think we all know that. And I think that's reflected by the, the gap you see between Baylor and West Virginia. I think West Virginia has kind of established itself along with Oklahoma as probably being the two best teams in, in the conference outside of Baylor right now. That could change in a week. That's kind of the nature of how you see those four teams clump together between 10 and 15. Those teams are all very good but they're all pretty even. And you saw it last week with the uh, Oklahoma-West Virginia game and the way that game transpired. Um, a very close game. Um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot separating the two of them. Uh, and there's not a whole lot separating those four teams. And that's why I think, you know, all four of those teams are probably going to be any, no worse than five seeds going into the NCAA tournament. And they all have the capability of getting to the Sweet 16. Do you think, Matthew, you know, we're a couple of weeks away already uh, from the Big 12 tournament. It looks like they're going to go ahead with it. Uh, do you do you buy into that? I mean, do you see the concerns some people are saying where Baylor doesn't really need it if they go and, you know, they have a, a COVID outbreak or something, they'll miss the NCAAs? Like, do you think that puts a wrench into everything here? There's, it's not getting much attention, but it, it does make sense where there should be some concern there from simply the idea of missing the NCAA tournament. Yeah, there's, I don't know if they'll cancel it, but I, I think, I think you have to do something, whether it be, okay, we're going to have the big 12 tournament, or we're just going to scrap the tournament, but we're still going to play games because I don't think a team like Baylor is going to like the idea of sitting at home for two, three weeks before they go to Indianapolis. I think that's going to allow Russ to set in and put them in a position where they won't be as competitive as they'd like to be. Uh, I wouldn't mind them scrapping the Big 12 tournament and just saying we're going to play regular season games that week and just make the regular season champion the number or the the seed the the automatic qualifier that comes out of the conference. I wouldn't mind them doing that, but you run into the same protocol issues uh, that you might run into in Kansas City. It's my understanding that the teams that make the NCAA tournament they're going to go straight from Kansas City to Indianapolis and start the protocols right away uh, as they're preparing for the NCAA tournament and. As we've seen this year, you could have all the protocols in the world, but folks are still going to get COVID, and yeah. just about every team in the conference has been affected by it. I suppose the only good news is that most of the teams have had at least one pause to this point, most of the teams that are going to go to the NCAA tournament. So there aren't that many more players actually, you know, potentially could get COVID. So that might, it's a strange silver lining, but it, it almost kind of is the silver lining in this case. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, last one on this, Matthew. Oklahoma State, they have been on a nice little roll here, winning five of seven games. Their losses at TCU by three and then uh, on the road against Kansas. Is this a young team that's starting to come together and and maybe can be that, uh, you know, the surprise mid-seed in, in March Madness? Or is that is that too much of a stretch? I'm going back and forth on that one. Uh, on the one hand, you're right. They're an extremely good young team. And I think they've all benefited from Cade Cunningham being on that program just for one year. I mean, he's going to go to the NBA after yeah. the season's over. We all know that. But, you know, the influence that he has had on the rest of those young players in that team, I think you're going to see that the next couple of years. Yeah, I think it's, I think they're probably going to be the team in the Big 12 that's going to be most dependent upon who they play and where they're seated. You know, if you look at bracketology, the last time I had internet access and I could look at it, um, I think CBS had them as a five or a six, and I think ESPN had them as an eight. So that that will make a big difference where they end up getting seated. If they're more of an eight, they're going to run into a, a one in the second round, and that's going to be a really hard game for them to win. If they're more of a five or a six, then they've got a better chance because they'd end up with a – uh, a three or a four or a six in the second round. So it's all going to boil down to where they get seated. Um, but they're the team that I think is going to be most volatile in the tournament. They're most dependent on their matchup and they're most dependent on which type of young team shows up. The one that doesn't care and is just there, you know, playing freely or do they get tight because they feel like they actually might have a chance to get to the Sweet 16? Well, it's going to be really interesting to follow. Matthew Postens, our Big 12 Basketball Insider. Matthew, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Pete. Final thoughts wrapping up the show coming up next. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo as we uh, spend some time with you here wrapping up the show. So, the NCAA released its top 16 seeds. We talked to Matthew Postens about that earlier in the show. And the Big 12 had five teams in the top 16. We gave them to you earlier. Baylor at two. And then it was West Virginia at 10, Oklahoma at 12, Tech at 14, Texas at 15. The only other conference with even close to that many, the Big 10, which had four teams in the top 16 seeds. That was Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois. Uh, by the way, they were all in the top five. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, that was the only other conference that had four teams in the top 16. Iowa was last at number 13 for the Big Ten. And I just wonder, like, I know that college basketball doesn't get the national attention that even college football gets. It's sad, and not sad, but it's disappointing that college basketball to many, especially like ESPN, it's become a one-month sport. They don't talk a lot about it. I mean, I haven't watched SportsCenter in forever. It's amazing how irrelevant SportsCenter's become. Like, I used to be, roll it back 15, 20 years, I, I would not miss SportsCenter. I mean, I'd be sitting there getting ready for school 15 years ago, uh, eating a bowl of cereal, wouldn't miss SportsCenter, got to see the top 10. I, Mom, I'm not going to school. I got to watch the top 10. Like, that's what it was like. It is not like that anymore, and it hasn't been in a very long time. But you think about programs like that, the talking head shows. I mean, they just they do not um, do a lot around college basketball. Heck, they don't do a lot around college football anymore. It's NFL. It's it's NFL. It's more NFL. It's some NFL offseason. It's a little bit of NBA. It's too much NBA. And then it's, oh, yeah, NFL. I mean, that's that's it. 
especially ESPN. They've got a lot of ties uh, to both both sports, but the NBA, they've got a lot of money dumped into. The NBA is, is I believe, pretty irrelevant. I mean, I saw a tidbit. I was in the gym yesterday, and one of those shows, Talking Head Shows, was on uh, talking about the NBA, and they're like, there are three teams in the Eastern Conference that are above 500. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, as if the NBA couldn't get any worse. You've got an Eastern Conference that is totally irrelevant. And I say this as a guy who grew up on the NBA and NBC. Grew up on it. But you've got a situation now where you have three Eastern Conference teams above 500. I mean, what a terrible product the NBA is putting on. And that's a totally different rant. But for college basketball, it's just not getting the same amount of attention. But if you look this year, I mean, the Big 12 is the best basketball conference in America. Bar none. The depth and the quality at the top with Baylor is unmatched. It doesn't mean in the NCAA tournament that they're going to win uh, and get three teams to a final four. It doesn't mean that because it's a one-and-done system. Right? You get a hot hand, you get a hot team, and uh, you're gone. You're done. That's the beauty of March Madness. But there's no doubt watching this conference night in, night out, like many of you do, that this is the strongest conference in America. So all this talk, and there's less of it, but you get it in SEC circles and Big Ten circles. I saw some nonsense this week on Twitter Oh, what are Texas and uh, uh, Oklahoma going to join the Big 12? That's got to be happening. Or excuse me, the Big 10 is what they said. The Big 10, because it was so cold in Oklahoma and Texas, all the talk was around, well, this is OU and Texas getting ready for uh, the Big 10, that the conference they're going to join here during conference realignment. Why would that happen? Like the Big 12 right now, you look at the Power Fives. The Big 12 right now is in a very, very good place and healthy place. When you combine football, basketball, revenues, everything, you can make a strong case that when you combine football and basketball, the Big 12 is in the second best position of any conference in America. I would say at the top of that list is Big 10 because they have very good basketball depth now, or at least they have good teams at the top. Uh, and then they've also got, obviously, a, a good football program or a conference led by Ohio State. Although, I'll tell you what, Penn State, uh, Michigan better pick up some slack here. Wisconsin looks like it's down. But the Big 12, when you balance the football and the basketball, I think you make a strong case for it being number two. Let's talk about, oh, the Big 12, conference realignment in years in trouble. I, I, I don't see it based on the product, the unity that the Big 12, I believe, has right now. OU in Texas realizing they... Got it pretty damn good. I, you know, I think that's wishful thinking from SEC, Big Ten, and uh, ACC and Pac-12 folks. I mean, Pac-12, that's where you got to look right now. I'll tell you that. All right, we're out of time. You guys have a great uh, rest of your week. Stay warm in Big 12 country. It's freezing all over our region. And we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget, leave that rating, review, subscribe. It'll take you 30 seconds, and we'll send you a free koozie if you do it. Leave that rating and review. Send me a screenshot of it to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get a koozie in the mail for you guys. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon.